Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. Sometimes, horse, just sometimes you have to go slightly off sides. Just slightly. Just not all the way. No, just just a tad, just a little bit. Scosh. All I need is a little bit. Not a lot, baby girl, just a little bit. <laughs> so here we are, horse. 49ers have made an impact in the playoffs. Uh they they defeated the Seahawks. Now they defeated the Cowboys. And horse, what did you think about this 49ers versus Cowboys game? Cowboys, very, very talented team. Uh, lots of speed on defense, you know, talented weapons on offense. 49ers probably don't look as good as I think people expected on offense, but still get it done, 19-12. to 12. Yeah, that's the important thing that to win the game. All else doesn't really matter. They don't track the rest of it. Wins are the category that matters. But, yeah, I think everyone was a little bit disappointed in the offense, especially, you know, I expected them to uh, – Play a little better than that. I know I did myself. Expected right. them to play a little bit better than that. Um, I thought, now, don't go crazy on me, people. I thought Purdy had some shaky moments where he didn't look his best. But he definitely made plays when it mattered. And, you know, they ended up winning the game. Um, He kind of had more of a, what the haters would call a Garoppolo type of game. Where he eventually made a couple plays. Their defense kept him in it. And they won the game, and I don't mean that as an insult. But um, well, he'll probably have to play a little better this week for them to win. Um, defense, once again, held a high-powered and offense that was scoring 30 points a game, 12 points. That was another great performance for the D. And they really held him to nine because three was Ray Ray McLeod's fumble. Yeah, I think it's a necessary performance from Brock Purdy, though. Uh, because, you know, I mean, 65.5% completion percentage, uh, you look at his stats, you know, I mean, he's he's 10 incompletions. It's nothing crazy. Still yeah. threw for over 200 yards. Uh, the, the no touchdowns is there, of course. The Fournier's only scored one in the game. But I think in the grand scheme, he didn't turn over the football. And in a defensive battle, you can't turn over the football. Well, you know that when I say a Jimmy type of game, I don't mean it as an insult. Correct. I know some people do. 
let's get that out there. I'm I'm a fan of Garoppolo, so I, when I say he had a Garoppolo type of game, I mean they won the game. Like they, and he didn't make the mistake to cost them. Yeah, I mean, when you get into the playoffs, right, you're just finding any way you can to win. Exactly. Uh, and if, Style points don't matter. I don't think Brock Purdy cares if he throws for touchdowns or, no. or whatever as long as they win. And that's one thing that the 49ers, you know, had to do. And it was an interesting matchup because the Cowboys had so much speed on defense. Mm -hmm. I think that is a little bit different than what we're going to get from Philadelphia. And we'll get all into Philadelphia here in a bit. But I just wanted to, to kind of go through the Cowboys a little bit more and just get your feelings you know, on anything that stood out to you as far as 49ers that maybe like a performance or a player that stood out that you're like, you know what, that could carry into the next game uh, and really give the 49ers an advantage going through the playoffs. Um, I don't know. It's I've come to expect it from all the guys that have good games. Uh, I thought um Jimmy Ward made a really nice play on that where he hoop ended up getting the pick. Fred. It up. Fred, yeah. Um, he made a splash play. Uh, Demo had that where he jumped the comeback route. That was so nice. And dude. I thought Demo played his best game in the post or of the last four or five weeks. Yeah, to me at least he did. You know, I haven't, I don't go through all the film and stuff like you, but watching it live, I thought Demo had a nice game. Um, he did. I mean, really, he only got beat the one over the top by C.D. Lamb. Other than that, I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah, and. I don't think the Eagles have any receivers as good as CeeDee Lamb. So You don't think A.J. Brown is no. as good as CeeDee Lamb? Really? I don't. Wow. I'm actually really shocked about that because I, I think A.J. Brown is far superior to CeeDee Lamb no. in almost every single category. He's a better route runner. No. Uh, he's better after the catch. He's stronger. He's more physical. Uh, to me, A.J. Brown is superior to CeeDee Lamb. Um, and I, I think that, you know, Devonte Smith is a better Robin <laughs> than anything C.D. Lamb had. Michael Gallup didn't even record a single I would catch. agree that I would take much rather of Devonte Smith than Michael Gallup. Yeah, I think that they the Cowboys' offense was a lot scarier when Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb were there together. Uh, once Amari Cooper went, he was the number one. C.D. Lamb became the number one. I think he's a solid receiver. I, I just don't put him up there with AJ. So uh, that's we're we're in a little bit of difference of opinion. But let's go ahead and start talking. Little buffoon. Thank you. We'll go ahead and start talking 49ers for Seagulls. If you've watched uh, other shows that were on 49ers Cutback, uh, buffoon is just a, a terrible insult that went from one to the other in face-off. <laughs> Jay Hill was on the receiving end of the buffoonery. Uh, but 49ers for Seagulls, this is kind of something, it, it seems like it was inevitable. The Eagles have been fantastic the entire season, almost wire to wire. In fact, they were wire to wire, I think, leading the Basically, league in wins. Because they started like 8, 9, and 0, something like that. Yeah, they didn't lose until they played, the, they played the Commanders. I think it was like week 8 or week 9. Uh, I think you're you're pretty much spot on there, Horst. Their first yeah. loss was week 10. So, uh, and that was what they be, became 8 and 1. Washington Commanders go ahead and, and get the victory there. But this is a very good football team. I yes. mean, their their only loss with Jalen Hurts at the helm was the Commanders. The other two losses, Gardner Minshew was a quarterback. One of those, he still had a great offensive output against Dallas, uh, but against the Saints, only put up 10 points. So, I mean, we've seen Jalen Hurts play against the New York football giants twice in a row. I don't think that gives us a really good idea of where he is physically, but I think we're going to get a good idea in this game you know, when the 49ers go against the Eagles. But what stands out? What are the, some of the, the matchups? You don't have to get really in-depth, but highlight the matchups that you're most interested in watching 49ers for season. Well, first of all, you can take the Giants game, throw it out the window. The Giants and the 49ers are on two different levels. Um, maybe a third level from the Giants. 
you know, the Giants and the Bucks were the worst two teams in the playoffs. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Uh, DeBall, Dayball, however you say his name, has done a great job over there, turning them from garbage to, you know, squeaking into the playoffs. But those are two different teams. Um, that, I mean, they should beat them by 30 points. That's my opinion on the situation. The Eagles are a really good team, but I still don't know that they have a better team than the Niners. Uh, yeah, I mean, they have tremendous depth. I, I think if you look at these two rosters, you see two teams that are the top two teams as far as personnel in the entire league. Yes. I mean, top to bottom, you look at defensive line depth. I mean, the Eagles go eight deep. The 49ers, you know, have been that far. I mean, Ridgeway getting hurt probably really did hurt them a little bit as far as depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but offensive line, you could argue the Philadelphia Eagles are the best offensive line in the entire league. But the 49ers offensive line has performed as top five this year so it's not like there's a huge gap between these units to me yeah. this is one of those ones where you have weapons all over the place you have really oh, skilled trench game. players <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic and horse let's talk let's talk about jalen hurts uh because he's gonna be one of the most he's important their quarterback. things he is their quarterback and he's gonna be one of the most important things that has to happen and who who would have thought that back in 2020 we would make some fun jokes about jalen hurts taking over for carson wentz and he would end up being the playoff quarterback. Uh, it, doesn't, guess, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I guess we are right. Uh, but how do we keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket? I mean, obviously, it's football talk. I mean, maintain your rush lane integrity. I think they need to do something similar to what they did with um, Tyler earlier in the year, how they'll switch who they have spying him. They'll switch it between, you know, a linebacker, a safety, and... I think the one thing the 49ers really have going for him is they have multiple guys athletically that you can spy him with so he doesn't know who the spy is before the play. Warner, Greenlaw, both definitely athletic enough to do it. And then you got um, Jimmy Ward and Hufanga, both guys that can tackle, play in the box, and are both athletically athletic enough to do that. And I think that that's going to be a big part of keeping him is um, – using those guys to spy, switching it up, keeping him off his toes, because I think he presents a different problem than, you know, an Aaron Rodgers or a Joe Burrow or, you know, those guys that will sit back there and pick you apart, is I think, no, and this is no disrespect to Jalen, he's just a young player, I don't think he reads the defenses as well as those guys yet. And I think if you, I think if they're able to confuse him in those situations, he'll look to run, but if they confuse him and they have a spy on point and he looks to run, it'll get negated. So I think that's a – and then obviously the defensive line has to maintain their rush lane integrity. You can't give them big lanes to run through. And I think if they can do those couple things, I think they have a really good shot of slowing them down. Yeah, I think rush lane integrity is important. We saw that against Jared Stidham. That's where the you know it became really apparent the four yards couldn't go gangbusters on the defensive line and just – you know, get after, but they had to make sure they stayed in their lanes and, and made it more difficult for a quarterback to be able to step up in the pocket or step in and out or get around the outside. And I think that's what the 49ers were doing against the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. They were making sure they maintained those lanes. He got free a couple times, but for the most part, they could, did a good job of pressuring him while keeping him in the pocket. That's, your game, so too. that's your game plan for Jalen Hurts as well, keeping him in the pocket. And I think what they're going to have to do is use a fifth guy sometimes, bring somebody off the edge, whether that's a linebacker or you know, or even bring Fred up the middle. But what they're going to have to do is make sure they keep this guy fully inside that pocket. I think the best way for the 49ers to win is to force Jalen Hurts to throw the football from within the pocket. 
Is he accurate? Yes. Is he going to be accurate enough to consistently do it for four quarters? That's another question. I'd like to see a team force him to do that, and I'm hoping the 49ers can do that. And then you clamp down and you take away some of his early reads, and you muddy up some things that he likes to do, and all of a sudden, you've got a good game plan to stopping Jalen Hurts. Because not only do you have to stop him from scrambling, but you have to stop him from running the football with the read option as well, getting involved in the RPO game, which he mm-hmm. does as well. Those are all categories in which he's highly successful that the 49ers have to somewhat slow him down. You're never going to stop him, but slow him down enough that you can get him off the field sometimes. Yeah, and I definitely think this is the kind of team it would help to get a little bit of a lead on and make them pass. Um, you know, they have a good running game. Um Miles Sanders, pretty good back. Boston Scott, Gainwell, those guys can both play. Their fourth running back sucks. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, and he's a dangerous part of their run game. So if you can take that away and let the defense only really have to worry about one element of the game, it'd be huge. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it makes it a lot easier on you. And the guys who are going to be tasked with it is this 49ers defensive line. You know, against the Eagles offensive line. And you, you start looking at the names that are on that offensive line. Jordan Maialata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, you know, Lane Johnson, who's dealing with, by the way, Lane Johnson's dealing with a tear in his abdomen. And he played last week. I don't know if that's going to, you know, be a problem for him going monster. against Nick Bosa or whatever. Uh, but he's playing at a high level. And, you know, and then they, they've got just one, I think, the best offensive line. So... The 49ers defensive line is going to have everything they could possibly ask for in this game as far as, you know, matchups. 49ers did a really good job last year. Uh, There are a little bit of changes amongst the defensive line from last year. Last year, D. Ford played against Mm -hmm. the Eagles, and last year they had Arden Key. Uh, They don't have that this year. This year they have more Kerry Hyder, you know, and they have uh, Charles Amenehue. So I was going to ask you, how do you think the 49ers, you know, are going to match up against this offensive line for the Eagles? Are the 49ers going to be able to stop the Eagles run? Um, it's going to be a tall task, but you know, Dallas has a good offensive line and they played well against them. Um, I mean, when you get this deep in the season, you're going to play against good players. And, you know, I would say that the weaker weakest spot on that line is Jordan Mailata. Um, Interesting. He's a solid player, but Jason Kelsey is one of my absolute favorite players in football. He's great, yeah. <laughs> He's my favorite Kelsey. <laughs> um, Lane Johnson has been a stud for a long time. Um, but Johnson, Kelsey, and Dickerson are three of the top guys at their positions. Um, to, this is just my personal opinion. Isaac Samalo and Jordan Mailata are average NFL starters. And I think that's where you have to make your... And I think that they have to take advantage of those matchups. And maybe I shouldn't even say my lot is an average NFL starter. He's a good player, but I don't think he's as he's on Nick Bosa's level, is what I'm saying. So if we can get the Bosa matchup over there on my lotta, if we can get Eric Armstead on Samalo, I think those are wins for the Niners. I think you're gonna probably get Landon Dickerson. Uh, I'm sorry, it will be Samalo right on uh uh, Eric Armstead, Where you're right. That's up, probably yeah. going to be a, a matchup there. Lane Johnson and, and them will have to handle Armstead. I think they're going to have Bosa on that side sometimes. And then they're going to just want, you know, Samson Ebucom to kind of hold his ground against Bailata, which isn't going to be easy. No. Uh, the run game, you know, they want to get it going. Uh, Nick Sariani is very bullish about his run game. He's going to stick with it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And the offensive line is a big reason why. Uh, but if the 49ers can limit them on first and second down to short yardage and make it third and six, third and seven, yep. I think that's where they can get off the field because then 
You can do the exotic blitzes you want to do. You can confuse Jalen Hurts. Uh, and you can just put, you know, Jordan Maialata on a island against Nick Bosa. It's still a tough matchup. How many of those is he going to win? I don't know. But if he wins a couple, you're getting off the field and you're having an opportunity to make, you know, plays on offense. And I don't think there's going to be that many possessions in this game either. Both teams want to run the football. Both teams, yeah. you know, want to grind this thing out. But yeah, matchups on matchups and finding that key matchup. And I think you're right. Uh, Samalo on Eric Armstead. Armstead is very, very good against the run, but he's really good against the pass, but doesn't get the recognition he deserves. If he can get up the field, up that middle, and force Jalen Hurts to have to you know, kind of step back or for this pocket to collapse on him, I think that's how the 49ers could definitely get after him. Yeah, but it's a, it's a really good matchup. It is. I mean, this is you, you can't pick a bad matchup. There's just so many good ones in this game. Let's talk about Brock Purdy. I mean, last week we talked about Purdy under pressure. We knew that the Cowboys' offensive, or sorry, defensive line was going to be able to get him with Parsons and all that. Uh, they really held Parsons in check, but Demarcus Lawrence, other guys got after him. In this game, you're talking about a defensive line that has 70 sacks. Uh, they can do it all. Now, they're different than the Cowboys. Cowboys predicated on speed and aggressiveness. This one is, is they have the aggressiveness, uh, but they're a lot more technical. They're, they're a lot more veteran players. Uh, Hassan Reddick adds to that too, and they run a lot of five man fronts. How do the 49ers negate that pressure and make it easier for Brock Purdy? See, and I actually think that their type of pass rush um, helps the Niners a little more than facing Dallas's because the, they can get off some quick pass plays on that, you know, where Dallas, those guys are flying. Yeah. I mean, so I think Purdy will have a little more time to get the ball off. I'm not saying he won't be under pressure. You know, those Graham, Fletcher Cox, Sweat, Robert Quinn, Linval Joseph, those are all very, very good. There's Ndamukong Sue. I forgot so right now. Yeah. I mean, those are all very, very, very good football players. So, I mean, it's not, I don't mean to make it out like it's just going to be like, oh, hey, snap, throw, easy. But I think that the quick game will work a little better against them than it did against Dallas. And I also think that their wide zone running game is a little less is a little tougher on the Eagles than it is on Dallas because they're not so athletic. Yeah, I, I think this is you know they have T.J. Edwards. He's a good linebacker, uh, but you know after that, there I know people have been trying to tell me Kaiser White, you know, but I just see him getting beat out in the open. My worry is Javon Hargrave. I went back and watched the game last year, and Hargrave was an absolute wrecker against Alex Mack and against Daniel Brunskill. Yeah, he's a stud, man. I mean, he blew up the first run from scrimmage. I mean, he just blew up Alex Mack and made the tackle in the backfield. You can't let that happen. Now, is this offense extremely different than it was last year? Yes. Uh, talent's different. Playmakers are different. I mean, running back at that time, you know, was Elijah Mitchell, but he was a rookie running back in his second game. Yeah. It's just a different matchup. I think there are areas to attack the Philadelphia defense. And I think part of it is when Reddick becomes an edge player in that five man front, mm -hmm. if you can get a kick there and get up under, you know, underneath that, you're going to have opportunities because they will only have two linebackers when they're in that 50 set. That's an opportunity to run the football. And then I also think you have the opportunity uh, when they, you know, bring in Robert Quinn to run the football too. So uh, are they beast inside with Hargrave Cox and Jordan Davis, who might as well have his own zip code. That boy's huge. I think that, yes, they're going to be tough to run in the interior, but part of the way you do that is get on the edge, which they've done very consistently all year, and bring, run screens. And against them in week two last year, they screened them to death, screened to Juice, screened to, Juice, I mean, screened to Kittle, uh, screened to Elijah Mitchells, whatever they could do. I think that has to be a part of the game plan. And I think another thing people, and 
I don't mean to talk ill on him because he's been he's a Hall of Fame player to me. Fletcher Cox is not quite Fletcher Cox anymore. Yeah. He's a step slower. And it's to me, Hargrave is the better player at this point in their careers. Hargrave is a monster. I mean, the dude had eleven sacks from interior defensive line. Uh, they had four guys with double digit sacks. Sounds like my Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're a problem. They're they're a problem. Brandon Graham's not that great against the run either, though. No, I mean he's good. I think there are there are opportunities. I think you when you're looking at the 49ers offensive line, and that's where we're gonna we're gonna flip it a little bit, is we're gonna go 49ers O line versus Eagles D line. Um you got some matchups that you like. I think Mike McGlinchey against Hassan Reddick in the run game. Or Mike, Josh Sweat. Or Josh Sweat and Trent Williams too, against either one of those guys in the yeah. run game, I think is a good situation for the 49ers. So when you're looking for ways to beat this defense. I think that's number one. Mm-hmm. Those edge defenders against 49ers tackles advantage 49ers. I think mm. the problem is how is Aaron Banks, Spencer Burford, and Jake Brendel going to handle it? Because Brendel in their 50 is going to have a dude head up right on him, and he's not built on power. And if they put Jordan Davis over him or Hargraves over him, I'm a little concerned about that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I think um, those are both horrible matchups for him. Jordan Davis more in the run game, but um, yeah, and we, I think we've both kind of said it all year. Brendel's outperformed what we thought, but Brendel is definitely the weak link of their own line. And you know, if I'm the Eagles, that's who I'm looking to take advantage of. Yeah, is, I, I think the one thing you got going for you is you run a zone scheme. Yeah, uh, so Brendel's so helps not going to be blocking the guy head up normally so he's going to be able to get off and go to another area block a linebacker you know do what he needs to do so i think it's going to be just fine uh the way that they operate and handle you know this but i think in passing situations i'm worried about somebody lining up head on head up on him and they want to do that because that's exactly where they want reddick they want reddick their number one sack guy coming from the Mm -hmm. edge with josh sweat on the other side uh, it's it's pretty dynamic. The 49ers are going to have to figure out ways to negate that and put their 49ers O-line in some advantages. So Kyle has to figure out what the advantages are, like we talked about the tackles, and if he mm-hmm. can find any more, whether that's pulling and using the athletic ability, whatever that is. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Head up to some of, some of those, especially in the past game, or bad match. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about the 49ers run game. We, we kind of started mentioning it a little bit. Uh, they struggled a little bit against Dallas to get going. Um, it, then finally it, it took hold in the second half and they really handled it. It went from, you know, basically nothing to over a hundred yards rushing and they wore down Dallas. You could see it happening. How do the 49ers get their run game going? Do they just get to it right away? You know, figure out exactly how to establish it and then just, you know, stick with it. Or do they need to throw and loosen up things a little bit to be able to run the ball? Um, I actually agree with that. The end that they probably are going to have to come out throwing. Um, but one thing that I, this is just my opinion, that Dallas did really well because they're so fast, was they they were better at stopping the zone run scheme because of their speed. I th- and then to me they had more success towards the end when they started running straight forward. I don't know if you would agree with that, but yeah, I mean they did run straight forward against Dallas. I mean that's it, what I was saying. Is yeah. against Dallas they had more success running right at them. Right. Or I think the Eagles are going to be an opposite situation. I think the Eagles are going to be a really difficult team to run straight forward at. When you get when you hit the wide zones, the sweeps, I think that's going to be their chances to make lanes and make big plays in the run game. Then obviously that opens up the more straightforward or pin and pull 
type um run action, you know, power O's and whatever you want to call them, blasts. But um their run game against them I think would be helped a lot if they can hit a couple nice passes at the beginning and loosen the linebackers up. Maybe get them out of that five man front. Yeah, I mean the five man front does leave them susceptible to the pass game. You think? Uh, because you number one, you have two linebackers, uh, but you have th- that big window, that huge gap, you know, between the hash mark and the middle of the field, where you can presumably win, you know, slants and things like that. If you keep them in a base personnel group and they're in their four three or whatever, and Ridgeway, uh, I'm sorry, Hassan Reddick is at the line. Mm-hmm. George Kittle one on one with a a nickel corner. I mean, I'm sorry, a safety in the in the lot that's a win and i mean you could drop back get rid of the ball really quickly and let him debo whoever create because there's that natural void yep. uh to me that that's where the fournieres have to attack and i think they're just the run game doesn't have to get going early the the fear of the run game has to be there so yeah, the fournieres can really run good way so the fournieres can run play action i think once they do that then everything settles and then you can turn to the run game and really get it going i would love if they could get it going from play 1 i just don't know if that can happen because of how the Eagles are probably going to play the 49ers. Yeah. That's... So let's talk about one thing I think both teams are going to do. Eight in the box. Uh, we'll start with the Eagles because we've been talking about the 49ers offense, and then we'll flip it to the other side. But the 49ers, you know, on offense, when they see eight in the box with Jimmy Garoppolo, they would still try to run the football. We've seen a more willingness for Brock Purdy and Kyle Shannon to throw mm-hmm. the football in those sets. I have the opinion that, Unless you have them completely outmanned on one side of the football, you need to check to a pass play on those yes. of your Brock Purdy and throw. What are your thoughts? And and can the 49ers take advantage of eight-man box boxes if Seattle wants to walk Gardner Johnson or they want to walk, you know, Reed Blankenship into the box and give them an eight-man look? You know, I think they have to. I think that's a key to the game. Is that when they're doing that, when they have everyone up, those five-man fronts, and then bring um or usually Gardner Johnson. Yeah. Um, up they have to win on the pass game in those situations more often than they lose, and that'll keep those guys back and it'll open up the run game. But um, I definitely think that gives the Niners an advantage. I understand why the Eagles do it. They're daring you to beat their guys one on one, and they have good players. But the Niners have good players too, so they have to win some of those one on one matchups. Yeah, one thing I've been saying all week is you have to take what the defense gives you. So mm-hmm. uh, Brock Purdy's got to use his intelligence, use his understanding of Kyle Shannon's offense. He's got to can plays that he needs to can. Uh, he's got to, you know, Oscar flip these plays when he needs mm-hmm. to flip them because they need to put the best situation for their offense. They've got to be able to stay ahead of the sticks. You can't get in third and long against the Eagles and expect to have conversion rates like 50% like they did against Dallas. That's going to be tough because this is a better secondary than Dallas. This is a better defensive line overall than Dallas. So I think that getting ahead of the sticks is so important. And one of the ways that you negate what they do defensively is by being able to adjust to what they present you. Um, I think this could be really a good situation for the Niners if Purdy's able to handle it. I think he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he sees eight-man boxes, he has to be willing to check pass. And the 49ers got to be willing to – it doesn't have to be a big play on the pass. Uh, you know, you hit that hit that hot read, get it out there, get four or five yards, get it to Debo at the line of scrimmage and mm-hmm. let him get five. Those are so important for this game. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's if you watch their Giants game, the Giants game, they kind of dominated them with that look, almost a 5-3 look with Reddick up front and um, Gardner Johnson or sometimes Blankenship almost as a third linebacker. But if you go look, the Giants don't have the skill position guys the Niners do. I mean, they have... Uh, 
Hodgins. I was actually thinking Richie James. Running back. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley. Sorry, I was naming all the big time stars for the New York Football Giants. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so the, you're talking about a guy that couldn't make the Niners team and Richie James. Yeah. As one starting receiver and Isaiah Hodgins is the other. I don't even know who the heck their tight end is. Yeah, you got me. I mean, it ain't Ingram no more. He's up there killing it in Jacksonville. So, but, so or down there. But, yeah, down there, up there. So it just depends. Over there. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I think it's just a totally different matchup. Yeah, you're right. You know, and let, so let's flip the script and let's go to the, the 49ers defense because when you have a read option type quarterback like Jalen Hurts, one of the easiest ways to somewhat negate what he can do is bring that safety into the box uh, because by doing that, you can allow your defensive end to go ahead and crash down the line of scrimmage and try to take away the zone run game while still having a safety or linebacker on the outside Example, Seattle, mm -hmm. Geno Smith pulls, runs to the outside. Tashawn Gibson makes the tackle in the backfield. Mm -hmm. But what that does is open you up, just like we're talking about the other way, to things happening in the RPO game or whatever, where you can throw the ball down the field. How do you manage stopping their run game with eight in the box while protecting yourself on the back end where you're going to end up getting inevitable one-on-one -on -one situations, Devontae Smith and Diameter Lenore, A.J. Brown and Charvarius Ward? Well, it's kind of the same thing I said with the offense. In this stage of the season, you have to win one-on-one -on -one battles. Your main players have to outplay their main players. Um, yeah, Mooney Ward on um, A.J. Brown, that's a tough matchup. Mooney Ward's got to win more often than he loses. Um, Demo on Devontae or Quez Watkins, got to win. Yeah. Because you're right, I think they do have to run a lot of eight-man box to stop that run game, at least at the start. Yeah, and that's what they did last year. You know what I mean? They brought Jaquiski Tart or Jimmy Ward into the box uh, to help give them that eight-man look and make it more difficult for Jalen Hurts. Uh, it disguised some things. And, and you know, Hurts has a, a better understanding of the offense now. He's definitely more comfortable in Nick Sirianni's scheme. I think that there also is a way to kind of have the best of both worlds, and that's play the safeties a little bit closer than you normally would, but don't put them actually in the box. So use them more to run the alleys. In the right, to run the alleys, take away the you know the RPO plays that you know those those in in cut routes, and then go ahead and they can still be sometimes your read for outside contain, or they can replace a linebacker that vacates to have that read. <laughs> but I think confusing the reads for Jalen Hurts, uh, not just in the pass game but in the run game, yeah. is so important. Don't make it as easy as oh, my read on this play is Nick Bosa. If he flies down the line of scrimmage, I'm pulling and running. Make it so Bosa crashes, and then he looks, and, oh, shoot, Drake Greenlaw's coming right at me. Yeah. Make those, and then when you have an opportunity to hit him, make it hurt. Make it legal, but make it hurt. Make him not want to run the football anymore. Yeah, I think you're definitely right, and that kind of goes into what I was saying about the spies. Oh, yeah, big time. It's confusing his reads. Yeah, I, I the thing with, with spy, right, is you you're he's sitting there, and he's waiting for Jalen Hurts. I like a design defense where somebody's accounting for different areas and gaps and not so much a spy only because if I have a spy accounting for Jalen Hurts, I don't have that player in coverage. And most of the time it's going to be Fred Warner. And I want Fred Warner taking away Dallas Goddard. I want Fred Warner, you know, taking away Miles Sanders out of the backfield or Kenny Gainwell. Uh, so I think that spy sometimes can hurt you. I think it is great at times to have it. You know, third and 12 or whatever, you're playing coverage. Yeah, go ahead and spy him with, with Fred Warner or Drake Greenlaw and allow them to run mm -hmm. after him. I think those are good situations. But uh, to me, a lot of times spy can put you in a negative situation because then you have somebody accounting for the quarterback when you maybe didn't have to account for him. 
Let's talk Kyle Shanahan play calling because there were some people that were questioning his play calling against Dallas. I had no problems with it. Oh. I thought lack of execution at times was the reason Daniel Brunson getting chucked, uh, stops a quarterback draw from working. I think sometimes you just look at execution, it doesn't work out. But I have zero fear about Kyle Shanahan's play calling. In fact, I think that's an advantage for the 49ers against Nick mm-hmm. Sirianni and the Eagles is Kyle Shanahan's play calling. Well, I think coaching as a whole has an advantage for the Niners. I think D'Amico Ryans has done a fantastic job as well. I'm sure you think that as well. But, um, yeah, I, I, what about his play calling are people not liking? I haven't really been They just felt much. like he wasn't in rhythm. They felt like... Uh, the play calls, like they weren't good calls, like he was doing things he shouldn't have done, calling plays that weren't going to work, uh, wasn't getting receivers open, that kind of thing. I hate people. Um, <laughs> so I thought he called the players have to make plays. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. That for when you talk about getting in rhythm, you can call any play you want. If you're not gaining yards, it's hard for the offense to get in a rhythm. And I give that more as a credit to Dallas playing well. Yeah. And it was hard. Him and Dan Quinn coached together for several years. That was a hard matchup for Kyle. It was because one of the things Kyle said was he hit the things Kyle does are pretty similar to what he's done his whole career. Dan Quinn's completely changed up his defense. So it didn't give Kyle Shanahan an advantage that way. And then I also think they threw some things at him that they weren't expecting. And then you throw in the speed of the defense, which doesn't always translate on film. You can watch it on film and be like, man, that guy's fast. But then you see him in person, you're like, man, that guy's fast. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. a difference. You expect Jake Brendel to be able to get to him, and then you get in the game, and it's like, he just can't get there. Uh, I think those things happen to you. Mm-hmm. I think that his play calling was fine. I think you're going to have mistakes yeah, with the play caller. <laughs> uh, I think, just like with all things, and you know this, you've been a play caller in your in your uh, coaching career. My illustrious. Uh, if, career. if, yeah, your illustrious career. If you're calling plays and it's a drive, you do get in a better rhythm in the game. Yeah. You get a better understanding of what the defense is trying to do. If you're not executing, being able to get first downs, uh, it can stagnate the offense overall. Well, and I think only, that happens a little if you're bit. You're only here and there. getting to call three plays every time you're on offense. Yeah. It makes it real hard to poke at what's, you know, figure out what's working and what's not. Yeah. That's, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, you're right. Um, or if you're getting at least, you know, six, nine, ten, twelve play drives, even if they're not resulting in points, you're still able to try more different things. Like say you came in thinking one thing was gonna work, well there goes your first drive, because it didn't work. Yeah. So your second drive you're trying, well, it looked like this will work. That if that doesn't work, boom, that drive's wiped up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you even if it's not necessarily working how you thought they would. If you're at least getting first downs, you're able to, you're getting more opportunities to figure out what's going to work and what's not. And like I said, part of that's on the players because the defense can play something correctly. And if you block it correctly, you're still going to gain a couple yards. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and you know, we've, we've been a part of so many games when we coach that yeah. your offense, you know, some games it's like every single thing you dialed up hits and it's like, you're you're scoring it, you know, all the way, all the time, and it's, they can't stop it. And then sometimes it's like, oh, we're gonna have to figure something out because this isn't working. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're both still professional coaches when it comes down to it, and yep. these are professional players. Let's let's flip it to the defensive key matchup horse uh, oh, for the defense 49ers. for the Niners. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say the defensive key matchup is gonna be, um, I'm gonna say their corners on the 
especially because we've talked so much already about the rest, is going to be um, D, especially Demo on either um, Devontae Smith or Quez Watkins. Devontae Smith is real fast. Like, he's so fast, he makes fast people look, look not, not fast. So he's going to have to do a good job covering him all day while also not giving him too much of a cushion. Yeah, to I, catch stuff underneath. The good news is Demo played against them last year. He was a starting mm-hmm. corner. The starting corners in the 49ers versus Eagles last year were Demo, Lenore, and Josh Norman. Uh, that was the starting cornerback group last year when they played. Now, is Josh Norman's? Uh, Demo did get beat over the top by Jalen Rager one time, but then he stepped out of bounds, so it ended up being negated. Jalen Rager caught a pass in the game? Yeah, it, well, it ended up being illegal touching because he was out of bounds oh. first. Uh, but he also got beat by Quez Watkins on like a 90-yard play in that game uh that was demo's last game starting but i think that he's so much better this year than oh, he was yeah. last year and i think he's has a familiarity and there were plays where he had man coverage on Devonte smith and he had to go all the way across the field over the middle and he was able to play play tough i think demo's up for the challenge i think he's gonna play really well and i think you know if jalen hurts tries him he's gonna have an opportunity to make a pick in this game uh to me demo has stepped up and i'm pretty comfortable with him and I think you're right that that matchup, Quez Watkins and and Devonte Smith, you know, on Demo is going to be one of those key ones to watch. Yeah. So let's let's go offense, offensive key matchup for the 49ers versus the Eagles. For the Niners, for the offense versus the Eagles, we've already talked about. It. I'm going to say it's going to go guard to guard. So um, run skill or Burford, and then for center and um, Banks, Aaron Banks against. Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, um, obviously mostly those two, but Jordan Davis and Dominican Sue, Linval Joseph, the other guys that line up inside. And I think that's going to be the big matchup this week is the, because the interior line didn't have their best game last week. Yeah, figuring out how to, you know, handle these guys on the inside. I think one of the things you got to do is make them run, right? Uh, guys like Jordan Joseph that are, are Jordan Davis that are huge. Uh, you got to make him run sideline to sideline when they're Boy, there. Boy, is he a snack. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, Hargrave, he's he's a penetration master. So how can you negate that? Well, one of the things you could do is run screens, but also you can run, you know, uh, wham blocks, mm-hmm. or you can run, you know, traps and things like that. Let him come upfield, let him think he's one, and then kick him out and run underneath. That could be a way for the 49ers to gate some of the, you know, I mean, some of the chaos that this defensive line can cause on the inside. Yeah, and I I really think that's the key to winning is getting those blocks. I think you are on to something there, Horace. And let's get a wow, that's really bold prediction. A wow, that's bold prediction for this game. Really bold. Whoa. Whoa. Um, I'm going to go with that the Niners force three turnovers. Ooh, I like that. If they force three turnovers, they're probably winning the game. Uh, these two teams are are some of the best at turnover differential. 49ers plus 16, Eagles plus 9. If the 49ers get three turnovers, that'll be hard for the Eagles to overcome. Uh, I like it, Horse. Let's 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 let that happen. Let it be so. You know, you said it, speak it into existence. Let it they be. They must play American defense. Yeah. <laughs> Not the coy. Uh <laughs> so let's get a game score prediction. 49ers versus Eagles. Who you got? I'm gonna go with uh Eagles. 20, uh, 49ers, 24. Oh, I like that. Ah, well played. I it. thought you were going to pull a Jay Hill. No, 24-29ers. 24-29ers. I like that score. I'm going to end up giving my score prediction on the game preview show that's coming out live on Saturday. What if I'm not there? Huh? 
What if I'm not there? You well, you could always tune in and watch, just like everyone else said. Watch this forty yards cut back. Can you whisper in my ear? No, I, I cannot. I will not tell you the score. You you can wait like everyone else, horse. You have no problems whispering in my ear, other days. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're not going <laughs> yin yang twins on this. Uh, so I mean that's a good score prediction. I think it is going to be a tight game. It's going to be a close one. Uh, horse just broke, but horse, you know what time it is? It's everyone's favorite segment, horsing around. What is your horsing around this week? I'm going to go with everyone getting on. It, it's kind of a, it's funny because one of my good friends at work, well, I know outside of work too, is a Cowboys fan, but he's not the annoying type you're thinking of. Right. And we were talking about it on the, at work is, you know, how the fans are, oh, McCarthy's got to go. and uh, Or he went 14 and three and won a playoff game. And it's kind of, so I'm moving it over to Niner fans getting on Kyle Shanahan. Um, they're already, like you said, getting on him for not scoring enough points in a playoff win, which is insane to me. But say they do drop this game. When you get to these situations, the other teams are good too. Yeah. You can lose these games. I It's not the goal. Like, I don't want them to. But... I think it's crazy to me when people get on these NFL coaches for losing a game to a team that's just as good or better than them and wanting them gone. And the Niner fans jumping on Shanahan for his play calling is shocking to me because go back, what is it now, five, six years? Uh, he came in 2017. So go back to before that. Does anyone remember how bad they were for about a four-year run? Well, it was yeah. That I mean, Jim Tomasula, Chip Kelly, uh, those are some those garbage. are some bleak years. Just garbage. And he comes in. This is their third time in the NFC Championship game in six years. And it's the third time in the last four too. Yeah, uh, twenty nineteen. And to be honest, those first couple of years, their roster wasn't there. The roster definitely 2017, 2018, I think they had a shot at the playoffs. Uh, but Jimmy goes down early. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, you're right. And 2020, the injuries ravaged them. But three out of four NFC Championship games. That's what I'm saying. It's funny because the whole thought, this whole thought led me to, if you remember when the Eagles fans wanted Andy Reid gone. Yeah. Because he couldn't win, couldn't win the big one. Look at him in Kansas City. Yeah. I just don't understand people getting on coaches that are winning games. I, the expectation is, you know, and especially the 49ers, uh, they've they've this is their 17th NFC championship game. Uh, it's the number one in the NFL. Uh, they're ridiculously good as a franchise. And I think that's why the expectations are so high. A lot of times for a lot of fans, it's Super Bowl or bust. Uh, we know one like that. He yeah, expects greatness. Yeah, you got to expect greatness at all times, horse. Uh, but I love the horsing around. And you know what? This is going to be a great game, horse. This is going to be a fun one. I really enjoyed this episode. And in good news for everyone watching I get to leave work at 10.30. Oh, so you get to watch the game. Yes. Awesome. So Horst gets to work. It gets worked out. He's going to be watching the NFC Championship game. I think that should make everyone else feel better. Uh, because a little known fact, Horst actually watched the second half of the game with me. It's no coincidence that Horst shows up and the 49ers run game kicks into high gear. Uh, so there you go. Maybe I'm Horst the run is our game coordinator. Guy. Maybe Horst is our good luck guy. We'll have to figure that out. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. All right, everyone. Thank you for watching Slightly Offsides. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, give the video a like. Uh, you know, hop over and, and give us a subscription if you hop. haven't. Hop. 
Yeah, uh, all that good stuff. But thanks for what watching. Walk? Um, now we're starting to go to that area, aren't we? We're starting to get to that area, but I'm not going to let it happen. <laughs> we're going to catch you guys all on the next one. Uh, have a good one. Go Niners.